This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Only once a year on his birthday did Charlie Bucket ever get to taste a bit of chocolate. The whole family saved up their money for that special occasion. And when the great day arrived, Charlie was always presented with one small chocolate bar to eat all by himself. And each time he received it, on those marvellous birthday mornings, he would place it carefully in a small wooden box that he owned and treasure it as though it were a bar of solid gold. You know what that is. A little bit of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory there, one of the most enduring children's books of all times, by one of the world's most popular authors, Roald Dahl. And more than 30 years after his death, he may be about to get even bigger. Netflix has announced that they've bought the rights to Dahl's works in their biggest content acquisition ever. It's a multi-platform deal, so we could see new TV series, movies, theatre shows, maybe even video games. With me in the studio is our deputy business editor, Joanna Burke, and we're also joined by the Evening Standard columnist and book reviewer, Melanie McDonough. Joanna, starting with you, we don't know how much Netflix has paid for this, but I suspect it's going to be quite a lot. Why is it worth it? So part of the reason for snapping up the Roald Dahl story company is it gives them this huge exposure to a wider audience. You know, Roald Dahl sold, there's been over 300 million books sold. You know, they're translated into 63 languages. So for Netflix, this is mass exposure. Um, And for them as well, you know, it gives them these rights. So as part of the deal... Um, It builds on this relationship the pair had already, but under the new deal, Netflix gets this sort of way to potentially, you know, open the door to more films, to games, to more TV shows. So it gives them a lot of um, firepower at a time when there's streaming wars going on with rivals. Yeah, so that's places like Amazon, which has a new Lord of the Rings TV series coming out. I mean, there's billions of pounds being put into this sector, isn't there? Yeah, you and you've got Disney, haven't you? As you mentioned, Amazon, there's all these guys, there's, you know, such mass appetite for all these shows. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people tried some of these streaming services for the first time. So there's huge demand for all these shows. Um, And this, again, you know, Roald Dahl gives them another big new uh, potential revenue stream to come in. Melanie McDonough, 300 million books sold. That's a huge amount for any author, really, isn't it? Why is Dahl so enduring? He's an absolutely terrific storyteller. He cuts to the chase. You've got very strongly drawn characters. You've got very strongly drawn bad characters. And you've got the child as, essentially as underdog. Uh, these are all absolutely crucial components in making a child and those of us who kind of identify as children to engage with the story. 
um, something happens. There's a beginning, middle, and an end. It's a, there are events. Things happen. There's an adventure, absolutely um, fundamental to the whole uh, business of storytelling. But then you have those very strongly drawn characters, baddies and goodies, and you're left in very little doubt about uh, who belongs on which side. And there's that terrific subversive element to them, whereby um, there's an element of anarchy in respect of um, authority. And um, there's a sort of um, diabolical vengefulness about the way the plot is paid out, which is terribly satisfying to the instincts of a child who is him or herself fundamentally subversive. My own son was introduced to Dal initially through movies. He's seven years old and one of his favourite films was a David Jason starring version of the BFG. That then brought him to the books and he's been reading a few of them, even though some of them, like the BFG, can actually be quite scary. It wasn't a human. It couldn't be. It was so tall its head was higher than the upstairs windows of the houses. Sophie opened her mouth to scream but no sound came out. Her throat, like her whole body, was frozen with fright. This was the witching hour, all right. Well, that's the thing about fairy tales, which were originally, of course, not written for children, but um, as folk tales. They are very scary and very dark because that's part of the human condition. Uh, he is a, an author with a dark side, but um, with the children's books, that's transmuted into a kind of playfulness. So you may have tremendous cruelty, for instance, but um, it's written in an anarchic fashion, which doesn't exactly take the darkness out of it, but makes it actually very funny as well. I don't think you can talk about Dahl without talking about Quentin Blake, the illustrator who made those beautiful pictures that you saw in all of those books. How involved was he, how involved was Blake in actually creating these characters that we all know? Quentin Blake is an absolute genius. I mean, he's got the most distinctive style of any illustrator you can think of. In a way, the books were very much a double act. Uh, the two of them got on very well together. I've got the pleasure of knowing Quentin. And um, he was saying that he had a, a very good relationship with Dahl and um, they would talk to each other about um, how to represent the characters. And in some ways, he would give um, Dahl a lead in terms of how he would see a, um, a character. So when it comes to the way that the books are received, they're received very much uh, visually as well as um, as verbally. So um, they're almost indistinguishable from Quentin Blake's own subversive and anarchic illustrations, because he himself has that absolutely wonderful subversive element. There was one um, book of Dahl's, The Minipins, that was illustrated by somebody else, and it didn't work. It didn't feel like a, a, a old Dahl book. It was only when it was taken back in house by um, Quentin Blake that it became, once again, the Dahl book that we know and, um, and enjoy. But Melanie, Dahl has been controversial. People have accused him of anti-Semitism. They've accused him of racism. His family is going to be using a significant portion of what it's getting from Netflix to create an anti-racism charity. He was very much a man of his generation and he would have been cancelled nowadays like a shot. In fact, we're trying, well, people are trying posthumously to cancel him, but he just can't be cancelled because he's just too good. If I could go back to you now, Joanna, because it's been quite a week for Netflix. They, of course, had a historic run at the Emmys, winning a multitude of awards for their own original content. And they've also previously announced that they're going to be investing in studios right here, haven't they? Yeah, so this bumper deal uh, comes in the same week, as you mentioned, very good run at the Emmys. Um, but also, you know, we reported this week 
on the company signing a long-term lease for a lot more production space in Surrey. That's adding to its existing estate. It substantially increases its sort of property foothold in the UK where it can film, you know, original productions. Um, and it's a big investment in the UK and the UK TV and film uh, production scene. So, um, you know, that they're on a bit of a run at the moment. And clearly, you know, with this deal adding to it, you know, that they are on a bit of a acquisition spree in some ways. And just finally, Melanie, would you play a Roald Dahl video game? No, never. <laughs> And that's the Leader Podcast. You can read more about the story at standard.co.uk. Follow the live blog to keep up with breaking news. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.